0: Welcome to Ekoi Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast services. Listen and be blessed. The text that we read, we have four kinds of people in this text, in this eleven 11 verses of John chapter 9 you have the man who was born blind from birth. And as the disciples and Jesus were passing, they drew his attention and said, Rabbi, who's seen this man or his parents that he was born blind? So you have four kinds of people. The first, the blind man who had this misfortune of being born blind. He couldn't see light. He couldn't see the flowers. He couldn't see the colors. He didn't know how to differentiate one color from another. He didn't know what was blue. He didn't know what was green. He was born blind. You can imagine the situation. And then you had the disciples who drew Jesus' attention to this unfortunate man. And then we also have Jesus who spoke and performed miracles. And then lastly, we had the neighbors who ran a commentary on what had happened to the blind man. Now let us see what we can learn from each of these uh, persons, as it were, that uh, were mentioned in this passage we read. The blind man represents a victim of a broken and sinful world. He was a broken man in a broken and sinful world. The blind man represents the category of those who in this world are experiencing one misfortune or the other. They are victims of things not just going right in our world. And that may not be as a fault of theirs. We live in a broken and sinful world different from the world that God created in the beginning where everything was good, everything was beautiful. It was God himself who commented and it was good. And at the end of creation process he said, and it was very good. Today it is not so good because we have people having misfortunes Some people having nasty experiences. This man was unfortunate to be born blind. But there are people who, perhaps by reason of accidents, become blind. So we live in a sinful and a broken world. You have people who are wrecked in life. There are those who are mentally wrecked. There are those who are morally wrecked, and there are those who are physically wrecked. There are those who are experiencing all kinds of sickness and diseases and such anomalies in nature. And we realize that this was not the original intention of God. They are victims of one predicament or the other. They go through life experiencing pain, hurts, illness, or injury. And that was why Jesus came. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, verse 13, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed. Also in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, while Peter, Apostle Peter was reasoning with Cornelius and his family, about the providential act of God that brought him to meet with Cornelius. He acknowledged and testified about Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Praise the Lord. Yes, the reality is that we have broken people in broken world. Yes, we have people who are morally, physically, and mentally wrecked. But thank God Jesus came when he was declaring his manifesto, as it were. When he put up his mission statement, as it were, he came to undo the work of darkness. He came He came to undo the work of darkness. He came to put the enemy to shame. And this morning, there will be healing. There will be deliverance. And the Lord will set people free here in the name of Jesus Christ. We go to the second category. And that is The disciples. The first was the blind man, and then the disciples. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who seen this man or his parents that he was born blind? The disciples sounded arrogant. And they were condemnatory in the way they asked the question. Who sinned? Who sinned? They never realized such a thing would happen to them. So they were a bit arrogant. It's like he's in it. We are not in it. So praise God. (laughs) Condemnatory. And judgmental. Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born Blind. And then the other thing they did was that they objectified this man. They reduced him to mere object. A spectacle for commentary. Who sinned? At that instance, they ran a theological discourse on him. Who sinned? They wanted information. They failed to see the humanity in this man. They just saw him as a case study. By God's grace, every ploy of the enemy to reduce you to mere spectacle that people will be running commentary on, it will not manifest in the name of Jesus. Nobody, as long as you are a child of God, redeemed of God, will run public commentary or private commentary on you in the name of Jesus Christ. Who sinned? That was the question. They just want, it's, it's not that they wanted to do anything about it, they wanted to be informed. Wanted like a, a case study. Let's research into this man. Who did this? Who was responsible for this misfortune? You know, there are people who just do case study research. Many years ago, I had this appendix, and I was young then. And uh, they did the surgery to remove the uh, appendix. I think U B T H. And then the sight I didn't like, when I woke up the following morning, I saw this man, and I said, oh, this must be a professor. And all the students around my bed, they were now writing, commenting on their, uh, <laughs> praise the Lord, running commentary. You know, this. Uh, and I was furious. They were, the professor was saying, uh, this is what will happen. Ah. I said, so when they left, I grumbled and complained to the guy by my side. I said, why? I came here to be treated. I didn't come here as a case study. So the guy told me, my friend, you are in a teaching hospital. So apart apart from curing you, they also use you as a guinea pig. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Yeah. So I didn't like it, you know, being a case study. And so for the next few days I had to endure because it was me who brought myself to the place. <laughs> so to be used as case study, a guinea pig. So they objectified this man and um, made a spectacle of him. They wanted to fix the blame they were not sympathizing enough. Now we go to the one who made the difference in the life of this man, Jesus. In verse 3, Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God may be displayed in his life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whenever I read this, I get so excited. It reminds us of John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son to condemn the world. Some people, their sickness may be guilt because everyone around them is condemning them. And that's the kind of approach the disciples had. Who sinned? They wanted to fix the blame, fix the sin on this wretched, poor, blind person. But when Jesus responded, they were expecting, oh, He will condemn the man. Yes, his parents. Oh, it was he. But Jesus said, neither he nor his parents. So the first thing we learn is that Jesus has not come to condemn. Amen. He has not come to condemn. He says that through him the world might be saved. Today, you may be experiencing guilt, and that guilt may be reducing your propensity to forge ahead in life. Anytime you want to make a move to take advantage of an opportunity, the enemy will come. Remember what you did in the past, and then you just slow down. Today, I want to declare to you the Spirit of Christ is not a spirit of condemnation. And that's why in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 it says, there is therefore now, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. There's no condemnation for you no matter what you have experienced in the past, no matter what, you know, happened, you are not condemned. Amen? So long as you repent and you are willing to follow the law, you are not condemned. Jesus did not come to condemn. When they brought the woman caught in adultery and they brought her before the law and they ran the accusations. And said, What will you do with the woman? The Bible says Jesus knelt, uh, bent down, and started writhing. And then told all those who had come to accuse, Which of you has not committed any sin? Let him cast the first stone. And all of them were gripped by guilt. And they started living one by one. Living and then it was left with Jesus and the woman. And Jesus said, Where are your accusers? Where are those who have condemned you? He said, They have all gone. He said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and see no more. Jesus does not condemn. The second thing is that. As far as the disciples were concerned, they saw this man as written off, total wreck, like an accidented vehicle, a a total wreck. And so, who sinned? There's no way he can get over the present situation. They were seen with air of finality. There's nothing that will get this man out of this situation. It's a final thing. But Jesus looked and said, no. No, you people don't understand. Neither this man or his father, but that God be glorified. And the exciting thing is that the moment you bring God into a situation, that situation will be transformed. Amen? That situation will be transformed. So Jesus was saying, Who has the final say? Jehovah has the final say. Who has the final say? Jehovah has the final. Oh, Jehovah turns my life around. Jehovah turns my life around. He makes a way where there seems no way. Jehovah has a final. I stand bold this morning upon the authority in the Word of God and I say, over all your life issues, issues that people have given up on you, issues that say there's no way, I say, God has a final say. Only God has the final say. Whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? You must believe the report of the Lord. And that was what Jesus was saying. God in this situation has the final say. And I believe in your life, he will have the final say in the name of Jesus. The third thing is that, What did Jesus say? That the work of God might be displayed. In other words, what is now an object of ridicule, as it were? What has become a disgrace in the society? A man born blind. Disgrace to the parents. God said, Jesus said... I'm going to step in and from disgrace will come display. Amen? Amen. From being a spectacle, it will now become the spectacular. From disgrace will come display on account of the transforming power of God. Somebody here, your life will be transformed from disgrace to become a display of God's great doing in the name of Jesus. The fourth thing that Jesus wanted these people to understand, these were the things I read into this text, was the fact that when the angels came to Mary, the earthly mother of Jesus, the mother of Jesus it were, and she asked the question... How can this be, seeing that I have not known any man? It says the Holy Spirit will overwhelm you, and the child that will be born will be holy. For in the summary it says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. That was what the angels declared. From the beginning, when Jesus was about to be born, and that's w- the words followed him all through his life. And that's why you have to be careful what you pronounce before your child is born, because the words will follow him or her through life. The angel said, With God, nothing shall be impossible. And so, anywhere Jesus went, he was performing the impossible seeing the invisible God, and performing the impossible. Amen? With God, nothing shall be impossible. The fifth thing is that they were living in a world full of limitations, full of boundaries, limits here, limitation there, everything. But Jesus was pointing them to the fact that there's no limit to what God can do. Amen? There's no limit to what God can do. And I see your life being transformed today. You will experience the touch of the Lord and the limits will be broken. Where people say you will not attain or get to, you will surpass. In the name of Jesus. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. The sixth thing is that whenever God is involved in a situation, don't consider that case to be closed. Amen? There's nothing like a closed case with God. So, the implication is never, never, never write off anybody. Amen? Never, never write off anybody. It was Wilson Churchill who said during World War II, challenge the Britons, never, never give up. Never, never, never give up. But here the word says never, 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 never write off yourself or write off anybody. You may look somebody and say, oh, this, nothing good will come out of this. Nothing good. In fact, that's how they commonize Jesus. Shall any good thing come out of Nazareth. And he became the greatest man that lived on the earth. So never write off somebody. You may be in a relationship and the person is not measuring up. Never write off that person. You may be expecting so much from somebody, a child or something, and you are almost giving up. Never write off such a person. All you need to do is to pray the more. Invite the power and the presence of God. And this God that I know will not disappoint you. He says, call upon me in the day of trouble. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know of. So don't give up on anyone. Jesus did not give up on this blind man. And that's why he said that the work of God may be displayed. The seventh or the eighth thing is that these disciples were interested in information. They wanted information. But Jesus wanted transformation. Amen. They wanted information. Who sinned? But with Jesus, no, 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 no. I'm not going to comment. I'm not going to run. But I'm going to transform the situation. So from information to transformation, which one will you choose? I would rather choose transformation. And today the Lord will transform your lives in the name of Jesus Christ. The ninth thing, I don't know the number now, eighth is a fact that Jesus wanted to show his divinity. What did he do? The Bible says he spat on the ground and molded clay and put it on the eyes of this. And Jesus wanted to know, to let them know right from the beginning he was there. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and without him nothing would have been made that was made. He was right there in the beginning. He made all things. He created then and he's still creating now. We have that hymn. Creator God. Creator. Still. God is still in the process of creating and recreating. If there's anything malfunctioning, he has all the spare spare parts. Amen. He has all the spare parts. And all you need to do is to ask. Go to the storehouse and make request. This part of me is malfunctioning. And the Lord will mold clay and replace that place for you in the name of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, Jesus brings about restoration. Everything had to do with the anointing. How God anointed Jesus and he was going about doing good. And then lastly, he said, I mean, um, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. The anointing that is in Jesus overflows to us. So you too, you are anointed. To carry on the works of Jesus and that's why it says greater works than this shall you do so you are empowered to bring healing to others you may not be the one sick or diseased but you are equally empowered to bring healing to others and I pray you will know your worth and you go out there and make the difference in the name of Jesus the third category. Is it the fourth people now? Fourth verse eight. His neighbors and those who had family seen him begging asking, ask isn't this same man who used to see it and beg? Hallelujah. Transformation, healing and have taken place. Is this not the man who used to Anytime you see a phrase like that, who used to? It means a transformation has taking place. It means there's a remarkable difference in the life of the person you are observing. Perhaps somebody was living in Ajegunle and then gets catapulted to Ikui or or and then you see him. Ah, what happened? You used to be you used to be. What has happened? And then the person will respond level down. Hallelujah. <laughs> level don't change. And that's what has happened here. The neighbors acknowledge that this man, something spectacular has happened in his life. What is it that brought it about? Is it not the same man who he used to be? I pray for somebody here. Your neighbors will acknowledge the difference that Jesus has made in your life by reason of coming this morning in the name of Jesus. They will say you used to be this. They will say we know you. You used to be at this corner. What has taken place? Transformation. He says he used to He has moved to the next level. Every transforming work of God catapults you to the next level. Every transformation that takes place in your life is accomplished by promotion. And I see you moving to the next level. I see you moving to the next level. You will not be where you are. You know, people are just there marking time over and over again. How you are managing, my brother? As you have stepped into a new month, you will manage. God will lift you up to another realm. He used to be this, standing, begging. What has taken place between spectacle and becoming the spectacular There is a transition. And what brought about the transition? The power of God. This morning you will encounter the power of God. In the name of Jesus. And the man responded when they were arguing. He's not the one. It appears to be like him. I don't know whether these neighbors were wicked. How can you see a man every time begging? And then you wish him to be there permanently and a change came you are still arguing he's not the one he must remain in this situation he is a beggar he will always be a beggar but thank God for Jesus Jesus made the difference and this morning Jesus will make the difference and he said I am the man by God's grace you will testify this month you will testify the rest of this year you will testify I used to be this, but through the transforming power of Jesus, he has changed me. I encountered that man, they called Jesus. And he made clear and put on my eyes, and I began to see. Hallelujah. I want us to rise up this morning and begin to pray. The Lord is here to make you whole. Thank you for listening. We hope you were blessed. Ikoi Baptist Church is a Bible believing church located at 5 to 7 Latif Jakande Road in Ikoi of Lagos State, Nigeria. You can find us on Facebook at Ikoi Baptist Church or reach the church directly via phone at 016320485 and 016320486. For more information, please visit the church website at ww.ikoribaptistchurch.org. We look forward to having you back next week.